0: And uh, last week we started on a series about relationships. And uh, so, we kind of the subtitle of it is this, is the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, uh, you know, because there are good relationships, there's some bad ones, and then there's just some that are just downright ugly, right? And uh, But how many of you realize that it takes two people to have a relationship, right? And so the Bible gives us a lot of uh, instruction... When it comes to dealing with people and relationally speaking. And so I shared with you last week just the idea of this. Is that when God wants to bless you, he brings a person into your life. But when the enemy wants to harm you, he'll bring a person into your life. And so that means every new relationship that comes into our life, we need to do a little bit of evaluation on it. And figure out... You know, are you a friend? Are you a foe? Are you somebody like, who are you? And kind of, you know, not that, you know, and not that we want to, uh, it's not in the way of judging people. I'm not, you know, but also I don't have to, uh, if, if I know somebody wanted to hurt my family, I'm not just going to invite them into my house either. Amen. Right? See, it's, it's about trust. You don't, you, you love everybody equally. You don't trust everybody equally. There's a big difference. And so I was sharing with you last week about this and really, um, you know, and so I shared some things with you about this. But even there's really three approaches that uh, we can have as human beings when it comes to our relationships with other people. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I do want to give just a little recap. But um, the three ways we can view people is, number one, we can be naive. In other words, we just trust people all the time. Just kind of like, well, I'm going to trust you till you hurt me. You know, the Bible says that we've been given the Holy Spirit, and if the Holy Spirit says stay away from that person, he's trying to help you. Don't be naive and not listen to that little voice, that little something, that little uneasiness that may be there. Why? Because, uh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with believing the best in everybody. We're actually commanded to do that in 1 Corinthians 13. God's love in us will what? Will cause us to believe the best. I can believe the best while recognizing the present position too. I see your potential, but I know you're not there. So I love you. I believe in you. I want to encourage you. I want to help you get to that potential. But right now, you have the potential to hurt me. And so I don't want to be naive. You know, and so, and really, that's not the best place for us to be. The, the next one, which is the polar opposite, which is to be Paranoid. Everybody's out to hurt me. Nobody wants to help. You know, well, you don't want to live there either. You don't want to be suspicious and just on guard. And so really the best place is somewhere in the middle, which is this, is to be discerning. To understand where people are at, where, how, they, where, how they relate to you. And so, you know, the word discerning means to test or to examine, to prove, to scrutinize, to see whether something is genuine or not. I mean, I don't know how many single people we have in here. But if somebody just walked up to you and said, hey, let's get married, what would be your response? I'd, number one, I don't know you. So let's just start there. The answer is no because I don't have a clue. I don't know if you're good, bad, crazy. You know, I mean, if you're a single guy, the first girl that says, hey, I need a, a, I need a husband. You want to get married? No, because you're probably crazy. Like, you know, I mean, there's why? Because there, there is a learning process for me and Dara. We dated for four years before we got married. Well, I knew her a lot better after four years. She passed the crazy test because I didn't want to marry a crazy person, you know. And uh, so that was good. It's a good place to start. Um, You know, but there are some things in this way, though, that we need to be discerning about every relationship. And this isn't just about um, just male and female relationship. I mean every relationship we have. It doesn't matter if it's at work. It doesn't matter if it's friends. It doesn't, you know, last week I shared with you a part of my story was there was a very specific point where the Lord told me I needed to distance myself from two of my closest friends. Why? Because I would have never been able to do what God is calling me to do because of their influence in my life. And don't think that people don't influence you. Everybody influences you. We don't get to determine if they do or if they don't. When we do get to determine how much they can influence us, but if we just kind of open the doors wide up and just, hey, whatever you want to do, well, you need to find out, is this somebody God sent in my life or is this somebody the enemy sent in my life? I mean, we need to be discerning about these things. And so, um, you know, as the Bible talks about this, and, you know, even I, we looked at this verse last week, but that it says that uh, good company corrupts good morals or bad company corrupts good morals. I said that wrong. So you can't just say, you know, and, and here's the thing, and and, and as Christians, most of us, really want to help people. We want to see what God has done in us happen in other people. Well, sometimes we will put ourselves in harm's way. You know, and so we have to be careful that we remember who the Savior is. It's not us. It's Jesus. And so, you know, and so we were talking about this, you know, and I shared with you about really the first category of people, which there's two aspects to this series, if you will, Number one is is we need to evaluate ourselves, but also we need to evaluate the relationships that we have. Because biblically speaking, there's really three types of people that the Bible talks about. There are wise people, foolish people, and there are evil people. Now let me say this up front. Not everybody is wise in everything. Not everybody is foolish in everything. And not everybody is evil in everything. There are aspects that can play out. You know, the Bible says that King Solomon was the wisest man ever, right? That's what the Bible says. And yet I see some things in his life that I'm like, that just don't seem too wise. I've got one wife and I have a hard time keeping her happy, like all the time, you know what I'm saying? And he had a whole bunch of wives and I'm like, that just doesn't seem too wise to me. And so just because he was wise in certain areas doesn't mean that he was a genius in everything. God, You may have godly wisdom in a specific area of your life, but then walk in foolishness in the very next area. And and so it's really kind of two aspects to this. Number one, I want you to apply it personally, but I also want you to use this as the lens or the filter by which you approach other people. Because there are some people that will come into your life that you don't want in your life. They will train wreck what God wants to do in your life. They will. Why? Because they're on assignment from the enemy. And they may not know that. They're not, I'm not saying that they intentionally do it. But we looked at this verse last week in Ephesians 5. And it says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against other people. We are wrestling and fighting those that there is a spiritual element of the world in which we live. It is the unseen realm. And so we are influenced all the time. And people are influenced. Doesn't mean that they're bad but it may mean that they have bad intentions for you. Or maybe and maybe not even knowingly. Maybe they're just selfish. And so because they're trying to get what they need from you, it may be at your cost. And they get all the benefit. Well, that's not who you want to be with either. And so, uh, you know, last week we talked quite a bit about wise people. And, and I really encouraged you that you want to be a wise person. I shared with you the just what the scripture shared quite a bit of scripture about this, but that really the foundation of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. The Bible says it over and over and over and over again. Is that, you know, and it doesn't mean that people who don't know the Lord are just evil people. That's not what I'm saying, but they are fallen. Which we need to remember. They don't have the life of God in them. They don't, they're not living from the power or the goodness of God. Wise people live out of, what? The power of God, the power of the Spirit. Foolish people live out of the power of their flesh. Don't expect a foolish person to act wisely. Why? Because they're just kind of whatever they want. They just, by desire and by whim, and that changes day to day. An evil person actually lives out of the power of the demonic or something evil. They're cooperating with the enemy to what? To bring about his plans in your life. Just like God has a plan in your life, so does the enemy. John 10.10 says what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy the plans and purposes of God in your life. That's his agenda. That's his MO. That's what he wants to do. He's not going to show up, knock on the door, and be like, Hi, I'm the devil. Here's my business card. I'm here to ruin your life. That's not going to happen. But somebody may show up in your life. That, you know, I mean, I I was talking to a friend of mine about a fellow friend of ours. And I was like, whatever happened to this guy? And he was like, oh, well, he started hanging out with this girl's, which we knew her husband, which I don't know him at all. And he was like, because this was a good, strong, young Christian man. Well, he got wrapped up in a whole situation of that was very public, like five o'clock news public kind of thing. And I was and I'm trying to figure out, like, how did this happen? Because I know this guy and I know his heart. I've grown up with this guy. I'm like, you know. And he said, Well, you got to start hanging out with this other guy. And he kind of, he's not really the best guy. How many of you don't want your picture on the five o'clock news? Or six o'clock, whatever time it comes on? I don't. Well, it didn't just happen in a moment. It happened through a relationship, just through a buddy. Somebody they were hanging out. Next thing you know, he's getting arrested and he's on the news. I mean, that's public like that's that's real out there well it it didn't happen in a moment but it did happen through the influence of another person it doesn't mean that the guy who had influenced my the guy i grew up with was just evil but he he brought about some things and helped now look he's not responsible my buddy who made the choices is responsible he he's responsible why because he's a grown man You're responsible for you. You can't blame it on everybody else. And we'll talk about some of this here in a few minutes. But, you know, but there are some things that we have to be careful of. And so, uh, you know, but before I even start talking about this this morning as I was praying, I just felt like I needed to maybe uh, preempt what I'm about to share with you with this. Is that I want you to um, maybe kind of give you a warning, if not remind you. That's a little softer way to say it. um, That I'm not just sharing with you my thoughts or my opinions. This isn't just David talking, right? I mean, this is, really, it's the wisdom of God, which Paul talked about in First Thessalonians chapter 2. He said, look, you, you were wise in that you received my words, not as the words of men, but as they were the words of God. I'm not saying I'm God at all. But I have, the Lord has placed me in a position as a pastor to what? To speak truth into your life for what? To make sure that the enemy doesn't get an advantage over you. That's part of my responsibility. That's what a shepherd does. He protects, right? He looks around for wolves. Not everybody's a sheep. And sometimes there's wolves in sheep's clothing. Well, a shepherd, if he's a good shepherd, will what? Will warn the sheep. People, right? Well, that's what this message is. I'm warning you about people and who you should be investing in, who you need to keep distance from, and who you need to run from. You love everybody the same, you don't trust them the same. And, and so, you know, the other side of this is because, again, there's two sides to this message is this, is that this morning, as I'm sharing, there's a pretty good chance there's going to be some conviction in some areas of your life. Why do I say that? Because I've already preached this to myself a few times. <laughs> and I get a little convicted every time I preach it to myself. But I need to understand why conviction comes. It's not condemnation, it's conviction. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. Why? Because he wants to help. He doesn't bring conviction so that we feel bad. God sends conviction. Why? What is conviction? If you really want to break it down, it's a recognition that God has something better that I'm not living up to right now. Doesn't mean that you can't. You absolutely can. And because there are areas of our life where we've all been foolish. There's a good chance that all of us have areas of our lives right now that we're probably foolish in. Not as wise as we should be. Well, foolishness costs you. Amen. Being foolish doesn't make you a fool. It's not about IQ. It's not about intellect. It's quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. Many times foolish people don't like intellect at all. In fact, they may be the most gifted, the most talented, the most charismatic people. They might even be charming. You ever been around somebody who was just so charming and you're like, Man, I love to talk to you. You're a blast to talk to at work. I just wish you did some work. You ever been around somebody like that? It's like Joey says all the time, y'all do great work. You just need need to do a lot more of it. (laughs) Like, I I mean, you like them. You really do. I mean, you like talking to them. You like being around them. And you're like, man, you're just a great person. But why don't you go pick up a screwdriver and help me? My golly. I mean, you know, but those things happen. And so, but, and last week, one of the things I told you about wise people is that wise people are always a student. Wise people are never finished learning. I gave you the thought, and it's just kind of a personal core value of mine in my own life is that I believe I can learn something from anybody. I don't care if it's somebody who runs a multi-million dollar organization or if it's a homeless guy. I believe I can learn something from everybody. And because I have that approach, So I believe I can learn from anybody. I don't care who they are. There's a lesson to be learned if I'm listening. And so that's the way a wise people, a wise person will approach things. And so let me read you just an example of this. This is, I told you last week, uh, I was getting some of this concept from this book called Necessary Endings. It's by a guy named Dr. Henry Cloud. He's a Christian psychologist. And uh, he kind of is the one who I got the idea of the or the concept, I will, or if you will, of the um, the wise, foolish, and the evil person. Now, um, I'm going to read you just a passage. And this is, I'll give you the context of the story here of where he's talking about this. But he is in a counseling session. He is a guy who runs a company who has a guy under him, and he's frustrated. He's trying to figure out how do I manage this guy. And uh, so I want to read this story, and there's one specific thing that I want to point out to you and see if you maybe know somebody who would sound like this. So he says... I witnessed the following conversation as my client was talking to his project manager. Says, Kyle, I want to talk to you about the product launch. There were some issues and I want us to figure out what happened. Tony, the boss, said, okay, let's do it. I got the numbers. I know uh, that it didn't quite get to where it was supposed to. And he says, right, well, what do you think happened? Well, I think marketing just missed it. They had this whole emphasis on the local saturation and I don't think this is where the real interest is. I talked to them, my client said, and... They said that they were limited in the exposure that they had gotten because of the coverage they wanted from the ads didn't happen. He said it conflicted with the ads on the television network that they had already sold for us. This is what happened. Those guys at so-and-so network are idiots. And he says, what do you mean? He says, well, they're so unorganized and they screw it all up. He says, when I talked to to media, they told me that the date had not been reserved for our ads because your final graphics hadn't been sent in in time. And they said that... uh, they had asked for them weeks before, but never got a reply, even after several requests. Says, I doubt that's true, but it could be. IT has, a lot of email, uh, late, or has lost a lot of email lately, and it's possible that I never got it. But that isn't what concerns me, said Tony. This is not about IT or the network or email. The launch is your deal. If it works, it is because you made it work. And if the TV network was not queued up to go in time, it seems like uh, you would have been monitoring this. Uh, to know that we had a problem. Well, if it, it says then, even if it were IT, you would have known it and been on top of it. As a result, we have really missed our numbers and it's going to affect a lot. I need better than this. But I can't control the network. I made sure the media uh, put it in the buy and that they uh, should, have known and, or should have known that it was not all nailed down. They should have seen this. Kyle, the boss says, media reports to you in this chain. This is yours. Yeah, but I did my part. If the galleys weren't there, uh, I had given them the time schedules and they, had, uh, they should have caught it. Besides, that was the week that you pulled me off the work on ne- for next week's or next year's catalog. I wasn't even here to be aware of what was going on. At this point, I interrupted the conversation. This is the psychologist, Dr. Cloud. And he says, I turned to Tony and asked him a very simple question. Tony, how do you feel about this? He sighed and responded as hopeless. And he says, I see why. Seems like the problem is never in the room. You ever met somebody like that? Every time there's a problem, whoever is responsible doesn't happen to be there. You know, I, I kind of have a joke, because some of you know this, but I do electrical work. And so I always make the joke, I always blame whoever's not there that day. Yeah. You know, it's like, who's not here? That's their fault. It's got to be their fault. If they were here today, you know, we could talk to them, but they're not here. You know, it's a cover-up, Right. I mean, I remember when I was in school, I wouldn't do my homework. Oh, well, you know, I didn't... This happened or that happened. Dog ate my homework, you know, whatever the case may be. And I just had an excuse. Oh, my mom's got it. I left it in her car. Why don't you go call your mom? One of my teachers called my bluff one time. and I was like, dang it. I'm like, okay, I'll go call her. And I just walked around five minutes, came back to class, you know. (laughs) Why? Because I knew I hadn't done the work. And he makes a statement here. And he says... And this is the psychologist. He says, seems like the problem is never in the room. He says, and this is the problem with the fool. Whereas the chief descriptor of the wise person is that uh, when light shows up, he looks at it, receives it, joins it, and adjusts his behavior to align with the light. The fool does the opposite. He rejects the feedback, resists it, explains it away, and does nothing to adjust to meet its requirement. In short, the fool tries to adjust the truth so that he does not have to adjust to it. See, we have people in our life that that's true. Their version of reality is different than everybody else's. Why? Because they want truth to conform to them. Because if they actually acknowledge truth, what? They would have to change. Many people don't want to change. But here's the thing, and here's my concern for you. Is that foolishness will cost you. And I'm going to show you this in a few minutes. Very clearly, I'm going to show this to you. Foolishness is going to cost you in this area. It's called pain. How many of you like pain? Nobody even motioned to raise their hand. Because nobody likes pain. Foolishness brings about pain. Foolishness is a teacher that you don't want. It will teach you. But the problem is, if you don't learn the lesson, it just keeps teaching. It just keeps teaching. Why? Because you're going to get your head beat in. Over and over and over. So let me shift to the other side of our discussion this morning. What happens when you're dealing with a fool? You might as well go bang your head against a wall. (laughs) And there comes a point where it's no longer their fault. Why? Because you're the one banging your head against the wall. And unfortunately, I feel especially um, qualified to speak on this. Why? Because I was a youth pastor for nearly a decade. I don't know if anybody is more foolish in life than a teenager. (laughs) Now, you may be a teenager in here and you're like, man, you're just... I told you, conviction. It's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Just submit to the Holy Spirit. and we are going to be okay? But why? Because many times... I mean, even in our development as human beings the last thing to develop in our brain is what the ability to project long-term effects right i mean i was always broke and never able to buy stuff when i was a teenager why because as soon as i got money i wouldn't spin it not thinking hey i may want to buy something tomorrow oh no i got money it's burning a hole in my pocket i need to go do something with it today and then tomorrow i'm like mom i need some money need, and mom i need gas money Like, you just got paid yesterday. (laughs) I know, I know, but I'm out of money today. Now, my dad's response to that was this. I got a job for you. (laughs) My dad never gave me any money. He's just like, nope. He's like, you want, you know, you want some money, you're going to work for it. It's just the way, hey, and here's just a clue for you. I'm not mad at my dad because of it. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. I'm actually really thankful for it. Because my dad taught me that there's no such thing as a free lunch somebody's paying for it. And in that case, I was trying to get him to pay for it and he said no. So then I'd go to my mom and she'd be like, talk to your dad and i be like, let's just move on from that. And, uh, <laughs> but if we're not careful, because here's the thing, I've dealt with a lot of foolish people. I mean, that's kind of the nature of what I do. I deal with people. It's a very people business that I'm involved with. And yet nothing is more maddening Than dealing with a foolish person. Because all the talk in the world gets you nowhere. And see, you know, and here's the other side of this. A foolish person never takes responsibility. A wise person will take responsibility even to a fault. Well, here's the thing. A foolish person, someone who refuses to, to accept responsibility, is looking for someone overly responsible that they can dump their responsibility on. So they can remain a fool But you get to carry their load That's the way this works So let me read you a few things from scripture here Concerning foolish people In Proverbs 14, 29 He says People people with understanding control their anger He says A hot temper shows great foolishness I'm going to let that just sit for a second People with understanding control their angle, but hot temper shows great foolishness. Proverbs 12:4 says, "A worthy wife is a crown of her husband, but a disgraceful woman is like a cancer in his bones." Another translation says, "A foolish woman is like a cancer in the bones." Now that goes both ways. It's not just saying that that's just a husband can be that to his wife too, if he's foolish. Proverbs 14.1 says, A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Yeah. A wise woman or a wise man, this is unisex, it's not just man, or builds his house, builds her house. Mm-hmm. A foolish one will tear it down with their hands. Yeah. Let me say it another way. A wise person builds their home with their words. A foolish person tears it down brick by brick by their words. Ladies, if you want to build up your man, what? His number one need is what? Respect. Honor. That's the number one thing for men. If you want your man to do the dishes, tell him he does the dishes better than anybody on the planet. Just <laughs> praise him. Man, you mop the floor. Like, no, like, there should be an Olympic sport for mopping the floor because you would be a gold medalist. Like, I mean, it's amazing. Now, let me just add this. Ladies, don't be manipulating your husband because that's sinful. But at the same time, that's the best amen I got all day. But there is a degree of what? Of encouraging your spouse. Men, we ought to do that for our wives as well. Why? Because we need to build. And the Bible says a wise person will build their house with their hands. A foolish person will tear it apart. And they'll want to blame somebody else. I believe many marriages fail because no one wants to take responsibility for their own actions. Not, they just want to point the finger. No, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's their fault. As long as everybody else is pointing at somebody else, there's nobody, you know, the person is not in the room. You know what I'm saying? We don't discern that, hey, that the enemy is at work, and foolishness comes in. Proverbs 19:3 says that people ruin their lives by their own foolishness. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness. He says, "And then they are angry at the Lord. Now unfortunately, I've been around a lot of people who blame God, but the problem is, I know the story, and I've had to tell a few of them. This is your fault. Don't blame God for what you decided. Those are choices that you made. And and that's hard to hear. And I understand that. But you cannot change what you do not acknowledge. God can't even help you change what you do not acknowledge. And, And so we have to have this understanding. Is that we can ruin our lives with foolishness. Wise people build it up. Foolish people will tear it down. But many times people want to just like, oh, well, the Lord did this to me. All right, well, let's take an evaluation of the choices that you've made. Because I guarantee you we're going to find some choices, some decisions that you made that weren't very wise. That that really opened the door to the enemy to come in and, and to have his way in your life. See, foolish people do not lack intellect. That's not what it is at all. But they lack the humility to learn talked about this last week wise people are humble they're willing to receive correction they don't they don't get defensive a fool will get defensive and here's the usually the response and this is just by default human nature we see this in the fall of Adam and Eve Adam where are you I I hid myself why did you hide oh it was Eve well Eve what did you do oh it was the serpent it's the blame game right And so what happens is that even when you approach somebody who is foolish, now it doesn't mean that they're foolish in everything, but their foolishness will hurt you. And that's what you want to guard from. And so what happens many times is, I'll use Joey as an example. He's a good strong man, he can handle this. (laughs) I'm going to play the part of the fool. Joey's going to be the wise man, because he is a wise man. Joey comes to me. And says, David, I, I see an area in your life that, it, that you're kind of living in a little bit of foolishness. Here would be the, the response of a fool. Yeah, but you do. Deflect, deflect, deflect. Hey, let's not talk about me. Let's talk about what you do. Maybe this is in a job situation. which He identifies with this well. Well, hey, we didn't do steps A, B, and C. Yeah, but they didn't, and you didn't, and this didn't happen, and that didn't happen, and what? Deflect. Hey, let's get off of me. Let's not talk about my stuff. That's the heart of a fool. It just is. It's the heart of a fool. So they they have no humility in which to learn from. I would say that a fool cannot learn. Not through instruction. There is a way for a fool to learn. And I'll show you that in a moment, but... See, the other thing about a foolish person is they'll have an excuse for everything. You may be this person. You have an excuse. I shared about this. There was a time in my life where I had excuses for everything. Until somebody called me on it, and then I had a choice. Which, thankfully, I was willing to listen to wisdom before it got beat into me. I know this is real encouraging this morning. It's just... See, fools don't like discipline, they don't like order, they don't like responsibility. That's the mark of a fool. Fools like chaos. Why? Because they can do whatever they want. There is no standard. That's the reason that in our culture, in our society today, there is no such thing as absolute truth. But that's why we have more knuckleheads running around than ever. Why? Because there is no standard. You can't keep me to a standard, you can't hold me at a level. Okay, well, I don't, but the Word of God does. I didn't set the standard. I'm just trying to live by it. And so I want to be a wise person. I don't want to be foolish. What foolishness really is, is this. It's a lack of growth, and ultimately, it's a lack of maturity. And I'll show you why I say this here in just a few moments. But uh, although sometimes, you know, I mean, I've heard people say, Oh, I'm not going to listen to anybody. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I want to go to the school of hard knocks. There's a reason they call it hard knocks. And typically those hard knocks happen on your head, right? I mean, that's foolishness. I ref- you know, I said it this way last week, is that you want to let other people pay your dumb tax, right? Let other let people's foolishness, other people's foolishness teach you that wasn't wise, don't want to do that. I told you this last week, one of the guys that speaks into my life has a saying that I I just like. He says, there's two ways to learn, mentors and mistakes. So if you learn from a mentor, that's wise. If you learn from your mistakes, that's foolish. Why do we need to keep recreating the same mistakes time after time after time? Because somebody's walked this road before and has figured some wisdom out, even if it costs them pain. So I, I asked you a little while ago, how many of you like pain? Nobody raised their hand. Here's what I'm telling you. If you walk in foolishness, pain is inevitable. So make the decision to not be foolish, but to be wise. To be wise is to be a student. Famous Albert Einstein quote about craziness or insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. That's crazy. If you keep having the same conversation a hundred times with the same person, that's crazy. Because you're the one beating your head against the wall while they're going and doing whatever they want to do. You're the one shouldering their load, even though it's their responsibility. That costs you. It costs you your strength. It costs you your joy. It costs you your spiritual life. Why? Because someone else is overburdening you With a load that is not yours to carry. Now let me read you a couple verses. Because. well, I said this a moment ago. Now I'm going to say it again. But I'm going to back it up with some scripture this time. Is that foolish people will only only learn through pain. That's it. Now I don't want to be a foolish person. I don't like pain. But here in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. It says. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. And fools despise. Wisdom and discipline They don't just dislike it They despise it They totally reject it Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness But physical discipline will drive it far away That's the first memory verse that I ever had growing up yeah. Why? Because when my parents spanked me Guess what they were saying <laughs> Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child But the rod will drive it far from them <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I never forgot the verse I tell you I heard that verse too many times. (laughs) Foolishness is in the heart of a child. But it says here, physical discipline will drive. Now, I know that's not popular in our culture, but how's that working for us? I saw a video yesterday on the internet of a kid who was just going berserk on a teacher. Crazy berserk on a teacher. Screaming, yelling, throwing stuff threw stuff at the teacher and the teacher went and sat down in their chair because they were afraid. That's an undisciplined child. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's the norm in our culture where our teachers are more afraid than the students. That's, I have a sister who's a teacher. That's the truth. Teachers are afraid to go to the principal about an unruly student as fear of retribution of what will happen. Why is that? Because 30 years ago, we said, hey, we don't need to discipline kids anymore. We can talk it out of them. No, you can't. You cannot talk foolishness out of the heart of a kid. You can't talk foolishness out of the heart of a grown person. You can't. Now, here's the thing. I mean, obviously, and look, I don't know what your opinions are. My opinion sticks with the Bible. Uh, You know... But here's the thing. I mean, the Bible tells you, you go look in Proverbs. Proverbs is the book of wisdom for living in this life. It says a foolish child will be what? A source of pain and hurt to the parent. It says it multiple times. If you want to sign up for pain, don't discipline your kid. The Bible says if you don't discipline, you do not love them. I know that's not popular. It's still true. Let me read you a passage of scripture here from Proverbs 26. He says, guide a horse with a whip and a donkey with a bridle and a fool with a rod to his back. That's a strong statement. That is a, I don't want anybody driving me with a rod upon my back. What that's really saying is that a fool will learn, only learn through pain. It goes on, verse 4. It says, don't answer the foolish arguments of a fool or you will become as foolish as they are. Parents, don't argue with your kids at their level. You are the parent, they are the kid. Do not come down to their level to argue at their foolishness. You're the parent, they're the kid. You don't want to have sister and sister conversations. This is my house. That bed you sleep in, that's my bed that I let you sleep in. Amen. Now, you can sleep there, but that, that bed belongs to me. I'm going to my room. Really? Because that's funny. I know what that room cost me. Therefore, it makes that is my room. That food you just ate, praise the Lord, I paid for that too. So I'm, I, you're, my, you're my child and I love you. And I'm not going to be mean or ugly or overly harsh. So that, that's the balance of it. Yeah. The, the Bible says in Ephesians 6 that fathers, do not be overly harsh with your children or you will break them. Yes. Right. So there is a balance. Again, that's the whole counsel of Scripture. Don't cherry pick a verse and say, oh, the Lord says I need to beat the crud out of you. And here's the thing, just because something works with one kid won't necessarily work the same way with the next one. Right. You've got to pray and ask the Lord for wisdom for that kid. First off, find their assignment. God, why did you create them? Now, how do I raise them in a way that they will get to that finish line? That's where we need the help of the Holy Spirit. But there's going to be some discipline. I mean, I, mean, I got a little two-year-old toddler running around the house. Go pick up your toys. No. Uh, <laughs> sir, you might be two, but I'm going to drive some foolishness out of you. Like, might be two. You ain't too old to work yet. Uh, go get a job. Start paying some rent, son. <laughs> Anyhow. That was a little rabbit trail. We're back. Verse 5. He says... Be sure to answer, now this is kind of confusing in a way if you just read it the way it says, but it says, be sure to answer foolish arguments of fools or they will become wise in their own estimation. So he says in one way, hey, don't engage in a foolish argument, but then, hey, you need to answer why, because if you don't, the fool's going to think they're right. Doesn't mean that you need to have a debate with them, but you could say, hey, just so you know, I completely disagree with everything you just said, because that's foolish, but I'm not having a conversation with you about it, because it's just going to wear me out and I'm going to get mad and you're just going to go on about your day. And I'm not going to let you rob my joy. I'm not going to let you take my strength today. Verse 6, he says, Trusting a fool to convey a message is like cutting off your own feet or or drinking poison. Hey, would you go tell Mm so-and-so? They're going to skew it. You better go talk to whoever. Don't trust them. Verse 7 says, A proverb in the mouth of a fool is as useless as a paralyzed leg. I don't think I need to expound on that. It's pretty clear, I think. He says, honoring a fool is as foolish as tying a stone to a slingshot. Now, how many of you realize how a slingshot's supposed to go? You pull the rock back, you let it go, and what happens? The rock's supposed to go. If you tie the rock to the slingshot, you let it go, guess what? Bam. School of hard knocks is coming right for your forehead. That's what's happening. This is my personal favorite one. It just makes me kind of laugh. But. It says, A proverb in the mouth of a fool is like a thorny branch brandished by a drunk. <laughs> Think of a drunk person walking around holding a rose stem and they're just swinging it like crazy. Are you going to step close to them? Are you going to keep your distance? When you step close to a fool, they're swinging a thorny branch. Be careful. Verse 10. An employer who hires a fool or a bystander is like an archer who shoots at random. It's totally at chance. They may be good. They may not be. But mm, I don't know. Verse 11. This is probably one of the more gross scriptures in all of the context of scripture. But it says a dog returning to its vomit is so a fool repeats his foolishness. They just repeat their foolishness. So foolish people only learn through pain. Consequences. I said this a moment ago, but please let somebody else pay your dumb tax. And please don't pay it for somebody else. Don't put yourself in a place to pay somebody else's dumb tax. Why? Because it will not produce what you think. It will cost you and it will not cost them. Why? Because they've never felt the consequence come upon them. I used this a few minutes ago about banging your head against the wall. When you deal with a foolish person, here's how you you deal with it. You stop banging your head against the wall. You realize, I want better for you more than you want better for you. Therefore, I'm going to stop beating my head against the wall. Because obviously, you don't want this. Now, I, I've had to experience that specific thing multiple times in my life. And it's very difficult. Because you love, because you care, because you want the best. It's like the old saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. It, it doesn't happen. So at some point, you've got to determine, I'm going to stop beating my head against this wall. I'm tired of the headache. Because it's not producing. See foolish people tend to be selfish. And expect everyone else to revolve around them. They have a universe of one. And everybody and everything goes around them. That's a foolish person. They don't consider the burdens that they are to others. Or the messes that they make. Uh, that others have to clean up. The, the collateral damage. The fallout. It's frustrating. I had a, a guy that I knew one time. in a I'll we'll keep this pretty brief, but we went to lunch, and he was like, oh, man, I forgot my wallet. And he made the joke. He goes, I guess I'm going to force a blessing on you. <laughs> and then it happened again. The Third time, you better go find some dishes to wash, buddy. Because I choose the blessings that I walk in. I'm not going to have anybody dictate to me. Because here's the thing. A fool knows scripture. So does the devil. And they will use that scripture to their advantage. To what? To play on your good heart. I said this last week. I'll say it again. Your good heart will betray you. It will. Because you love people. Because you want the best for them. Because you're believing God for them. Because you've been praying for them. And and you've been wanting better for them. And they just don't want it for themselves. Here's the kicker though. Foolish people are fun people a lot of the times. They're a whole lot of fun. Why? Because they don't think about consequence. They don't think about the fault. It doesn't matter. Why? Because they don't feel the weight or the burden of it. But you don't want to marry a fool. That's for certain. You don't want to be in, you know, why? Because you're going to have to take care of them forever. Now, let me use this as an example. For a lady who marries a fool, let's say they have three kids. Somebody asks, how many kids do you have? Four. I got four. I got three kids and my husband. Husbands and wives. Well, what happens? The husband has now been demoted to the level of child. They are no longer equals. You think that's a good home? You think that's a happy wife? I mean, we were watching the marriage conference a couple weeks ago and Jimmy Evans told a story that... or No, it wasn't Jimmy Evans. Who was that? I was listening to something. I don't remember. But they had a chore chart. And the husband had less stars than the kids. Because he did less of his chores than the kids did. True story. That She's probably not a very happy wife. Why? Because she's got an extra kid when she thought she was getting a husband. That's foolishness. That's not who we're called to be. Sometimes it's foolishness is this, is that it's a suffering person. I shared a little bit about this last week, but a selfish person is many times a suffering person. And they will use it as an excuse as to why they are the way they are. Well, I'm this way because of my mom. I'm this way because of this. I'm because this happened or because that happened. And there's excuses. You cannot change what you do not acknowledge. Even with the help of God. And so suffering people will be what? They'll be a victim. It's never their fault. And they will play on our good heart over and over and over again. But see what happens, and this is where it's important, and this is what I want you to hear. When you rescue a fool, what you do is this. Is you keep them from turning to God to help heal them. Because you remove the consequence of their own actions. So you're really not helping them. All you're doing is passing the ball down the field a little bit further. A little bit further. A little bit further. Now I understand this ever did for me a sensitive subject. Some of the best things my parents ever did for me was let me fall flat on my face. And they said, hey, I love you. We believe in you. You're going to get over this. You're going to get past this. But they let me fall sometimes. You know, when I learned to ride a bike, my dad didn't just run with me all the way down the street. At some point, he let go of the bike. The problem was I didn't know how to stop, so, you know, I just, <laughs> I just bailed off into a yard. <laughs> but I did learn how to ride a bike. I mean, it was cute when I was like five, learning to ride a bike. My dad would not have been running down the street with me at 15. <laughs> now, here's the, here, here's the facts. I'm just telling you the truth. Because my parents let go of the bike, when I became a teenager, I rode my bike all over town and I had freedom. Why? Because I'd learned to ride my bike for myself. So there's an element of this. I've already kind of touched on this, but I'll, just for clarity, how do you tell the difference between a wise and a foolish person? Is how they receive or respond to instruction and discipline do they listen to it or not a wise person will listen and will make adjustments a fool will listen and just keep doing the same thing that's foolishness that's crazy it's insanity the wise person will learn the fool will excuse will always give excuses here's another statement this comes out of Dr. Cloud's book and he says anytime someone is foolish there are consequences the question is, is who is suffering the consequences of that foolishness Are you suffering it for the fool or are they feeling the weight of their own foolishness? So you have to give consequences back to them so that they can feel the pain of the choice that they had to not listen. I mean, I can tell my son over and over and over, don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove. It's hot, it's hot, it's hot, don't touch the stove. At some point he's going to touch the stove and figure out, hey, that really is hot. I'm not going to make him do it. I'm going to try to protect him all I can. But at some point, he's going to get burned. And he's going to realize, hey, dad knows what he's talking about. (laughs) And why does dad know what he's talking about? Because he touched the stove himself. And he realized, that's hot. (laughs) So you can teach or, or talk with a wise person. But it doesn't matter how much you talk with a foolish person. They won't listen. So you have to move from talking and start transferring the burden back to them. So they can feel their consequences of their actions. So last week I told you, with a fool, how do you deal with a fool well, in a relationship? You lean in. You get close. You spend time with them. Hey, I've got some questions I, I want to ask. I want to get your feedback on. Can I, can I take you to lunch? Huh? Yes. Last week. You, you lean in with a wise person. With a fool or a foolish person, you limit your time. You limit it. You say, hey, you know, like, I, I mean, I have people... That I've known for years and years and years. I have a time limit on the conversation. I really do. They get 10 minutes and I'm done. Why? Because I could talk for three hours. And in a month we're going to have the same conversation. And I know it. It's been going on for decades. Same conversation. Different story. Different people. Different scenario. Same. Same story. I've heard it. Heard it. Heard it. So I put limits. I don't have an hour to waste right now. I would rather go invest my time with a wise person who's actually going to do something with what we talk about. Because a foolish person is just wasting my time. And so with with a foolish person, you limit. You limit what? Less of your time, less of your energy, less of yourself. Why? Because they'll drain you. It's pretty simple. They'll drain you. They rob you of your strength, they rob you of your life. Now here's the key, and this is, I'm going to wrap up with this: We don't write off foolish people. Why we't have to write off everybody. I'm glad God didn't write us all off. There were times in my life, and still are at times where I have been foolish, and I'm thankful that there were people that believed in me enough to tell me the truth so that what? So that I could gain wisdom give you an example scripturally of this the prodigal son everybody knows the story the prodigal son the bible says got his inheritance went and lost it all on parties and and sleeping around and doing all these kinds of things just a wild life comes back home the dad never left the porch until he saw the son coming home the dad didn't leave and go get in the pig pen with him why? because the son was foolish and many times and look and and I'm a loyal person by nature I just I'm a very loyal person, but just, if you're my friend, you're my friend. I mean, thick and thin, you call me, I'm there. Middle of the night, that's just who I am by nature. But I've had to learn, I've had to have the Lord help me to learn that there are certain people that are just going to be foolish. And I had to get to a point where I was tired of their foolishness costing me. My peace, my joy, my frustration. And at some point, I had to just say, I've got a distance. We can't, I can't be this close to you because I'm tired of the pain that your choices are causing me. Doesn't mean that I don't write them off or that I do write them off. I still pray for them. I still love them. I still believe them. I still talk to them. Just not as much. I keep them at a distance. And really, what am I doing? I'm guarding my heart <laughs> to say I'm tired of getting hurt. I'm tired of being let down. I'm tired of being lied to. I'm tired of being excused to. I'm tired of giving an investment that I've never really got to see a return on. I love you and I believe the best. But what you need to do is to go get along with Jesus. Because I can't heal you. Only he can. He's the Savior, not me. And And I have to... Be in that place to where I can understand, and that's a very hard place for me to get. Some people, that's easy for them to get; not, not for me. It's very difficult for me. But I have learned through the, just through the course of time and, and experience and relationship, time after time after time, is that there comes a point where I have to stop beating my head against the wall. Doesn't mean I don't love. Doesn't mean I don't pray. Doesn't mean I don't believe the best. But I can't keep putting myself in front of the oncoming traffic. I got to get out the road. Because you go on your merry way and I'm the one left hurting. And I can't, I can't do that anymore. Now here, and here's the thing about a fool. They never intend to hurt you. Their heart is not to hurt you. There's really not. An evil person intends to hurt you. They have bad intentions from the get-go. A foolish person never intends to hurt you. But the fact is you're still hurt. So the end result is still the same. And so even in this area of of, of dealing with people, I mean, we all deal with people every day. God wants to bless you, he sends you a person. If the enemy wants to destroy you, he sends you a person. you got to be discerning. What type of person are you and how do I handle you? In what realm do I keep you? Jesus had thousands of people around him, but they weren't all that close. He had us 12, but he had us three. He had his inner circle and then he had his inner inner circle. He had the masses. He knew where to keep people. Why? Because the multitudes came for lunch and the next day they left when he didn't give them lunch. I mean, that's actually, you can go look up. Fed the 5,000. The next day they're like, hey, we're here for the food, man. Where's the buffet? We're out. Why? Because Jesus says, "Oh, unless you start eating of my flesh and drinking my," they're like, "Whoa, that's weird," which kind of is weird until you understand what he's talking about. And they all left. Why? Because they weren't really there for him; they were there for them. And many people in our lives are there for them, not for us. To give up, so we've got to learn and ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And look, and there's times where I'm ready to give up on folks. I'm like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And the Lord says, Not yet. And I'm like, Oh no, I said, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> and the Lord will say, No. But then there's other times that the Lord will say, It's time. And I say, No, 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 no. Not yet. Yeah, no, no, no. He says, It's time. You got to let that relationship, you got to distance yourself, you got to get away from it. Some of the most di- difficult decisions I've ever made are those. But today I'm thankful that I did. Because the price that I was paying. Many times I didn't realize the price I was paying. And what it was actually costing me. To be in that friendship. Or that, have that connection with that person. And it's like man. I still love you and I'll be here for you. But it's on my terms. Not on your terms. And this is what I can give you. So I just want to encourage you this morning. People aren't bad. People aren't the problem. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But there is the enemy at work, and if he can use people, he will. So we want to be discerning of people around us. There's a difference between discerning and judging. The Bible says that we are to inspect the fruit of somebody's life, right? I'm not judging them, but I'm just saying, hey, the fruit you got ain't great, and I don't really want that fruit, so I don't need to be around you as much because that's bad company corrupts good morals, good character. So, you can apply this in two different ways. Maybe there's areas of your life that you've been foolish in. You need to repent. Now, the word repent means what? To confess it, to say, I'm sorry that I messed up. But repenting is not just saying, I'm sorry. (laughs) Repenting is changing. I'm sorry, I missed it, but I'm not going to do it again. That's important. So, if there's areas of your life where... You've had foolishness? Repent. Get before the Lord. Get the wisdom of God. Get a, 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 a godly person around you who can give you wisdom. Maybe your marriage isn't great. Find somebody who's marriage who is and talk to them. And say, hey, what can you tell me? What works for y'all? My kids are going crazy. Go some, find somebody who's got good kids. What can you tell me about raising kids? Because obviously I don't know anything. That takes humility. Maybe it's in the area of finances. Maybe it's, you know, your job. Maybe, I mean, you know... If you want to shock your boss, set up a meeting and go in and say, how can I be better? That'll shock them, I'm telling you. Blow them away. Why in the world would you ask me that? Because I want to be a better employee. That's wisdom. That's having a teachable heart. We need more of that. But maybe you're, so you got that aspect, but then you may be here and you've got foolish people in your life. It may be time to let go of the bike. Maybe time. You need to pray and ask the Lord to help you make that determination. Do I stay in? Do I pull back? How do I do this? Because I can't keep bang, banging my head against the wall. Do I need to do something different? Because at some point, you've got to stop talking. You can talk a thousand times, it doesn't make a difference. Some people are just bent. I'm going. I'm not going to listen to anybody else. I'm going to learn on my own. That's fine, but I'm not jumping on the bike with you. It's not going to do it. And if that's the case, you've got to get along with the Lord. I don't have any great wisdom for you other than that. You've got to get along with the Lord. You've got to come to a resolve in your heart. And just say, Lord, I need you to help me to make this difficult choice. Because it's hard. But the Lord will. He'll help you. He'll give you the strength to do it. And then joy will come back. Peace will come back. Strength will come back to your life. Why? Because you've removed those people who are draining you. Would you stand up with me this morning? Let me pray over you.